This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Age of Radio. listening to Texas History Lessons, a slow walk through Texas history made in Texas by a Texan for everyone, everywhere. Welcome to Texas History Lessons. I'm Michael, and with this episode, we're going to continue our Crossroads Project, where we look at the settlement of Northwest Texas and how such things as Chisholm Trail and the California Trail helped shape that time period. And in this episode, in specific, we're going to look at the Civil War years and the retreat of the frontier line. The presidential election of November 1860 set off a chain of events that tore the United States apart. Abraham Lincoln's victory at the polls sent Southern secessionists into a rabid fury. South Carolina, the hotbed of the state's rightist Fuhrer, seceded from the Union on December 20th, 1860. During the first two months of 1861, Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and Louisiana followed in their sister southern states' footsteps, renouncing all ties to their nation. Texas took the issue into consideration as well, and on February 23, 1861, the citizens of Montague County cast their ballots on whether the state should remain a part of the fold, as Governor Sam Houston hoped, or sever its ties with the United States. 66% of the counties of 148 voters chose to remain in the Union. Unfortunately for this small majority, the 50 secessionists in the county were in agreement with over 46,000 other Texas voters. East Texas resolutely endorsed secession, bound as it was to the southern economic and cultural traditions. Few owned slaves in the frontier counties. Jack and Collin counties overwhelmingly voted against secession with over 70% of the voters were preferring to remain in the Union. Over half of the voters in Montague, Wise, Cook, Grayson, Lamar, and Fannin counties opposed secession, and the German-dominated counties of Gillespie and Mason voted against the measure by 95%. With the approval of 76% of Texas's voters, the state proceeded to secede from 
the Union. The Secession Convention approved an ordinance withdrawing Texas from the Union on February 1st, 1861. The action was ratified by the voters on February 23rd in a referendum vote. Secession was official on March 2nd. Sam Houston resigned as governor in protest against secession on March 16th, 1861. Many along the frontier feared that secession would leave them unprotected and open a floodgate of Native American hostility and retaliation. Their fear bordered on the prophetic. As the federal troops withdrew from their posts, the state and local volunteer corps found themselves trying to contain the brunt of Comanche and Kiowa aggression. They faced a difficult challenge. The Comanche and Kiowa would exact a high toll on the frontier settlers. On March 16, 1861, Secession Day, there had been 2,700 federal troops spread across the Texas frontier. The federal regiments immediately dissolved upon the decision to leave the Union. The frontier forts were abandoned, and some of them were set afire by the withdrawing troops. From then on, Clay, Monte, Jack, Wise, Palo Pinto, and even Cook County on the northwest Texas frontier were never secure from Indian attacks. B.B. Paddock wrote that, quote, their work of desolation being carried on with almost monotonous repetition of atrocity and spoliation. The Comanche intensified their strikes against the Texans in late 1862 and had successfully forced the depopulation of some areas by 1864 and 1865. Because of the increased Native American aggression, not a single settler was left in Clay County by 1863. A visitor to Clay County in late 1863 wrote the following, Not a living soul was left in Clay County. The last scout I made through that section, the houses and yards were as silent as the graves, all being deserted. End quote. A group of frontier soldiers reported about the same time that Henrietta was deserted and that some of the buildings had strange Indian signs on the walls. By 1864, the frontier had been pushed back in some places as far as one to 200 miles. The families that stayed with their homes, braving the terror, congregated or forded up for mutual protection. They built square log stockades with picket bastions to provide places of refuge. Wartime rangers manned some frontier forts, such as Belt Map on the Brazos. The Civil War years were a time of hardship and shortage on the Texas frontier. Only nine years old when the war began, early Head of Elm resident G.W. Cox could vividly remember life in Monte County during the 1860s. He wrote, quote, Living on the frontier as we did, we had a pretty hard time with the Indians. But I expect we saw a better time than the people did where the war was going on. Times would get pretty tight. It got so we could not get coffee as we have now. 
We called the coffee we have now Lincoln coffee. We use for coffee parched wheat or rye, sometimes bran or okra seed. My father had to make our own shoes. He tanned his own leather. Oh, how proud we children would be when Pap, as I called him, would begin to make us some shoes. End quote. The citizens of Monte County, having no mill to process their grain, had to travel across the prairie to Gainesville during the 1860s. G.W. Cox recalled the trepidation people felt during the journey. He wrote, As we went across the prairies to Gainesville, we kept a sharp lookout for Indians all the time, for people were being killed frequently on that road. We always worked oxen, for we could not keep horses for the Indians, not more than one, and often they would get that. End quote. The Indians' presence was felt throughout the northwest Texas frontier. To the west, residents organized Clay County in 1861. But as we pointed out, with the removal of federal troops from Texas, most people abandoned the county by 1862. Most settlers retreated eastward to areas of higher population and protection. Jack County also became a victim of frequent Native American raids and many of its residents felt it necessary to flee to safety. Beginning in 1861, cattlemen from northern Clay and Montague counties grazed their cattle together in line cabs for protection near Red River Station, which is in northern Montague County, northwestern Montague County, on the river, which had begun to develop as a small community in 1860. By 1864, 50 families clustered at the station for protection. Cattlemen in southern Montague did like centering their protective gathering at Queen's Peak. Now, as a side note, if you look at Montague County, near the center on the eastern side, across the line from Cook County, is modern-day St. Joe and which was head of Elm originally, to the south, in the south eastern corner, was Hagler's store, or what became Forest Hill or modern day Forestburg. The very center of the county is the county seat of Montague. To the north of it is modern day Nocona, which did not come around till much later in time. Red River Station was north northwest of it. And to the south, in the southwestern corner, was the area known as Queen's Peak or Victoria Peak, where the modern town of Bowie later developed with the coming of the railroad. So that's just to help give a little bit of perspective. So again, beginning in 1861, cattlemen from northern Clay and Montague counties grazed their cattle together in these line camps up near Red River Station. And by 1864, there were 50 families gathered there. And down near Queen's Peak in the southern grasslands area of the county, out of the cross timbers for the most part, they grazed cattle down there also. And so about 1860, Red River Station began to develop as a community. And it would be a very important location in the coming years. Today, there is... Not much there. There's a cemetery, and you'd be hard-pressed to find anything, even the historical marker that is there, if you're lucky. The Cardwell family was one of the first to settle there. 
setting up a supply depot for the soldiers stationed there. Cardwell's depot was originally a single building housing the supply post, saloon, and a freight depot. After the war, with the beginning of the cattle drives, more businesses opened. Now, the cattlemen that were grazing their cattle in the line camps up in Montague County, northern part in northern part of Clay County, they had the protection of a stockade that was erected there. And so by 1864, about 50 families were still centered at Red River Station. It was a little island of refuge there. As the defeated rebels, Confederates, trekked home to Texas in 1865, the Comanche retained their position as Lords of the Plains. Now, as we'll see in future episodes, focusing more on the Comanches, they were at a bad point in their history due a large part to disease and warfare that had decimated their population. So yeah, they were still Lords of the Plains, but you should have seen them 50 years before during this time of the Spaniards and when Mexico ruled this area. But disease hit them very hard. And some things that the Republic of Texas did, like the Council House fight, taking away some of their leading sources of tradition and rule and organization, it hurt them a lot. Their domain still did span from the Arkansas River to the Rio Grande and from New Mexico's high country to the hill country of Central Texas. It's a massive area. And it had been there since their arrival on the plains and driving out the plains Apaches in the early 1700s. Theirs had been a dominant run for a very long time. And with their Kiowa allies, the Comanche guarded their empire jealously. Before 1866, the raids in the area were usually performed by small groups. In 1866, however, the Comanche and Kiowa began to raid in larger bands, sometimes as large as 200 warriors at a time. The warriors would cross the river together and then split up striking out in many directions to raid and steal cattle. During the war, frontier families forded up, like I mentioned before, for defense while Comanche raiders plundered thousands of cattle and horses. During that time, as to repeat again, they pushed the line of frontier back 100 miles in some regions. When the Civil War ended, the Comanche's war continued. Governor Throckmorton reckoned that Indians had slain 162 people between May 1865 and July 1867, in addition to wounding 24 and taking 43 captive. The Comanche and Kiowa did not face organized resistance until late 1866, and not until 1868 had the United States military reestablished its former line of defense and established new forts. Effective counterattacks did not gain strength until the early 1870s. By 1870, the line of settlement had yet to reach its 1860 point. The census did not record any inhabitants for Clay County, as I said, although a few ranchers and farmers remained near the Red River after most people had fled the county. Jack County had a recorded population of 694, down from 1,000 in 1860. 
But Montague County had a population of 890. Continued Native American raids had inhibited settlement, but the grasslands still attracted cattlemen to settle, and cattlemen from all over the state were also focusing their sights on Montague County as the Chisholm Trail opened up a new avenue to generate income. So we're going to stop right there. This is a little bit shorter piece, but the next one will be quite larger. So I like to try to keep these manageable so the information isn't too convoluted. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, so we're going to stop right there. As I said, in this section about the frontier and the, the Civil War caused a lot of hardships for the people and Native American reprisals pushed people back. In the next section, we're going to get to the Chisholm Trail and the effect it had on towns in the area and elsewhere, especially the town of or settlement of Head of Elm would be transformed later on when some entrepreneurial spirits saw potential in that area and the town with the strange name of St. Joe was born. And it has nothing to do with St. Joseph. It's a, it's an interesting story behind that. So we'll get into that in the next and I think final section of the Crossroads Project. A little attempt at showing how you can use local history to find context in the bigger history so that will do it thanks to everybody that's listening again always want to thank Derek McClendon for providing me with this awesome theme music I love it I never thought I'd have my own personalized music to use here rather than having to use some stock music that you get uh, copyright free from the internet uh, it worked well, but I, I just really like what he did for me. And he even gave it the name of Walking Through History, which really goes hand in hand with my concept for the podcast. So be sure to check out his music if you get a chance. If you check out his tour dates, go see him and tell him I sent you. So we're going to end there. The next section will be on the Chisholm Trail and the foundation or establishment of the town of St. Joe, Texas, in Monte County. And it's no secret, I, I grew up near there. As I told you in the episode on Jared Flushy, he and I both went to the same high school there. He was several years after me. So, so it's no secret why I have an affinity for this particular area, but I still would, even if I lived elsewhere, because this whole area, 
not just where I grew up, on beyond, out towards when you get to Wichita Falls, and then out into the real west, into the plains, and then farther south, down along this line, this the 98th uh, meridian, that, that line of demarcation. It is a transitional zone, and there was a reason why settlement didn't really move out there for a long time. Because as you go west, it gets drier. It's less hospitable, especially it was back then, for for agriculture as they knew it in the rest of the south. And that would all change in time. We'll get to that in Texas History Lessons. It's a fascinating story how things kept changing. Focus on different things kept changing. But suffice to say, I find this time period is one of my favorite time periods. It always has been in the past. And... You know, I'm just showing a little bit of it with this project here. It's just, it was an attempt to kind of present it in a nice little fashion for for another purpose. But I, I hope you're enjoying the stories. These More of these stories exist and can be shared and will be shared about other places and how they changed over time. I mean, I brought up the town of Alton in Denton County. That was the town. And you'd be hard-pressed to find it now because the county seat of Denton grew and took up the place that it once held. And there's all kinds of things that go into this. You've got the railroad, you've got the, the, the death of the bison and the removal of the Native American holdouts to the reservation system in Indian Territory. It's just a fascinating Part of history, but no more fascinating really than I've discovered about the early lessons that I'm going to be sharing soon. I hope about the Spanish period. Uh, people came to Texas in the 1700s and did create lives for themselves. It's usually just kind of sped by real quick, but as I've been digging into something, I'm signing out people's names and occupations that live in Nacogdoches in the 1700s, and they, they were doing the best they could. It just didn't grow to the pace that Texas did so quickly after annexation. And that's a whole other story. I'm rambling now. I apologize. So we're going to end the episode now. Um, you can check out TexasHistoryLessons.com. I have a reading list there. It's a recommended reading. I'm working on that. I actually have a massive couple of pages to add to that. It's just a matter of time of me being able to find the time and spend focused on that and doing that. And there are some other links there. You can check the show, share the show. There's a voicemail button at TexasStreetLessons.com where you can leave a message. If you want to make a comment or whatever you want to do, go ahead. May or may not, depending on how nice you are, share it on the future episode. And uh, yeah, so that's about it. What should we end this episode with? All right. Since I brought up Jared Flushy the first Texas History Lesson Spotlight artist who's from St. Joe, Texas. Let's put in one of his songs here at the end. Let's end with Fan the Flames from Jared Flushy's 2020 self-named album. And then we'll add his version of Mama's Don't Let Your Baby Grow Up to Be Cowboys by the great Waylon Jennings. And let's not stop there. Let's follow those up with one of my very favorite songs by Peyton Matus, 
friend of the show, his song, Sing the Darkness Away. And then we're going to end it with Zach Welch and his massive, amazing song, Ada. So that's how we're going to close out here. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Again, thank you to the Patreon supporters. Thank you to people that do the Buy Me a Coffee. It is an assistance to me. I do appreciate it. I do hope to be able to repay you in some fashion in the future. Yes, I can. And, uh, yeah, that's it. We'll come back for the next episode soon. And there's some other exciting things happening in October 2022 for people that are following episode episode. People that are just catching up in the future, in a year or two from now, well, you'll, you'll just figure it out pretty soon, too. So thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be kind. Adios. I'm a stranger, and I'm an old friend. I'm a love that'll never, ever be felt again. I've gone a distance. I've fallen short Seen the deeds of good men Been nothing of the sort I've been confused Felt tried and true And gave my all And wasted everything for a high Just to embrace the fall I don't want to be the reason you're crying But sometimes the truth hurts Sometimes it feels like it ain't worth trying But you gotta push to make it work And it never gets easy The problems never go away Some folks run from hell And some fan the flames Sometimes your words are sharp like daggers They pierce right into my heart We're so worked up Try to make things better We push too hard until they all fall apart no, we're just out here looking for an answer These insecurities eat us up like cancer The more I go, the more I feel like a tiny dancer just Spinning round and round and out of control Sometimes the truth hurts Though sometimes it feels like it ain't worth trying But you gotta push to make it work And never gets easy The problems never go away Some folks run from hell and some fan the flames Fan the flames, watch the embers run down to the ground. 
This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.